Thank you, Jordan, for reading our scripture. And Jordan ought to be a preacher. <clears throat> He's got a strong voice and brings a lot of enthusiasm. We appreciate so much your presence tonight, and we're glad that you're here. And we hope that our time together tonight is beneficial. We're very grateful for the opportunity to come together to worship God and to be with fellow Christians. I do want to share with you some information before we get started. In just a moment, we're going to be looking at James chapter 1. Before we do that, as many of you know, Rogers and Lynn, I know Rogers has put a lot of time into our website, and he has just been in the process of redoing that website. And so this morning, Lynn and I were talking, and she was sharing just the number of people that go to that website and download lessons, etc. And so they compiled some information that I think it'd be good for all of us to maybe reflect upon. Sometimes we maybe underestimate all the good that takes place locally speaking. And I appreciate so much the great work that this congregation does. And I don't say that uh, lightly. I think that a lot of good has taken place in years gone by, and I really believe that a lot of good is continuing uh, to come forth from this place. But some of the statistics from our website, and really astounding to me, we've been recording and posting sermons to the website since 2007, so going back almost, almost eight years. We have 961 recorded sermons on the website. It's hard to believe, really, almost 1,000. There have been 147,000 downloads of sermons since 2007. That's incredible. I mean, that's the size of some cities. And, and really, uh, when I grew up, uh, well, when I was growing up in Chattanooga, I think our population at the time was maybe 100,000. So, I mean, you're talking about a lot of people. Uh, the most popular sermons are the ones from our gospel meeting in April of 2011, and uh, I had the opportunity to be a part of that meeting, and those lessons have been downloaded over 5,000 times. That's staggering. And then uh, the sermon that, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, The Devil's Workshop, has been downloaded 56 times in two weeks. So, a lot of folks listening. And then uh, hits to the website today, we had visitors from Brazil and China. And I wonder, you know, how do people in Brazil and China even know that we exist? Uh, the top five states that visit our website, Mississippi, Tennessee, the third one I thought was really remarkable, California. Number four, Texas, and then number five, Georgia. And then the top five countries visiting our website, the U.S., Second would be Brazil. Third is India. Fourth is the United Kingdom. And fifth is Canada. So, you know, you think about going into all the world and preaching the gospel. And here we are in North Mississippi, and you ask the question, you know, who are we reaching? A lot of folks. And so uh, the beauty of it is that you're a part of this. Because as you support this work, then you have the opportunity to help in taking the gospel to the world. There are really two facets to the gospel, or really there are two facets to taking the gospel to the world. There is the going and the sending. 
not everybody can go, but we can send. And so every first day of the week, when you put money in the collection plate, that enables us to continue to share the gospel around, really around the world. When I was in Nashville a couple of weeks ago and spoke at uh, the Creve Hall congregation, it was incredible the people that would come to me and say, we listen to your radio program on WSM every Sunday morning at 6.30 in Nashville and in other cities and states. And so you just don't know the impact that this congregation is having. And so I appreciate the elders, the support that they give to the preaching and teaching of the gospel. And I appreciate you. And I appreciate Lynn and Rogers and all the great work that they've done. And uh, it takes a lot of work. And when you talk about sharing the gospel and taking the gospel to the world, it doesn't happen by accident. And so everything that, that is going on here, uh, we are very appreciative of. All right, look with me, if you would, at James chapter 1. In James chapter 1, we're going to be looking specifically at verses 22 through 25. And the thrust of our study tonight is going to hinge on the question, how's your hearing? Now, there are some folks that hear very well. There are some that don't hear very well. I remember a couple of years ago, Jared and I had the opportunity to visit Harold and Conard Ray on a number of occasions. And we would go and oftentimes try to encourage Brother Conard because he had a lot of health issues. And so one time during our meeting, I don't think Sister Ray's here, and I'd say it in front of her if she were here tonight, but nonetheless, one of our visits, we were in their den and we're talking, and she whispered across the room to Jared and me, and she said, I really think Conard would be doing better if he could hear better. And he said, I hear just fine. <laughs> Sometimes you think people don't hear, but they hear. And I, I would imagine those of us that are married, and I'm speaking to those of us who are men, if you have ever had your wife ask you, are you listening to me? Or do you ever listen to me? Well, again, we hear just fine. The problem is sometimes processing what we hear. So tonight I want us to think for a minute or two about James chapter 1, and I really want us to think about how we hear as it relates to God's Word. Because how we hear the Word of God is very important. Jesus would say on one occasion, take heed how you hear. On another occasion, he would say, take heed what you hear. So it's important that we listen attentively to what God says. But then more importantly, what we hear, we need to internalize and make it a part of our lives. And so what James is talking about is the practicality of God's word and taking this word and digesting it and making it a part of our daily lives. The book of James is a tremendous book, five chapters. And if you want an Old Testament counterpart to this book, it would be Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs accentuates the theme wisdom over and over again. And really what James is saying in this short book is if you want to be wise, 
you'll tune in to what God has to say. You'll listen and you'll put it into practice. So I want to begin tonight by first of all talking about how there is caution to those of us who hear the word. Listen, if you would, to what James said in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I think about the duty of being a doer of God's word. In other words, putting into practice what I hear the Lord say in this great book that we call the Bible. There's a lot of emphasis throughout the scriptures on being a doer of God's holy word. A couple of things by way, I guess by way of example. I think about the importance of listening to what God has to say and doing it as it relates to my salvation. I can't be saved if I'm not willing to submit my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so over and over again, the Lord emphasizes hearing and doing his word. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. In other words, my eternal salvation hinges on my willingness to put into practice the simple teaching of the Son of God. When Jesus said in the long ago, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. That is a statement. It is a declaration. And the Lord is saying, if you want to enjoy salvation from sin, then you need to believe in me and you need to be baptized into Christ. No need to quibble over it. No need to argue about it. Just do it. And then our security. We think about from time to time a security blanket. And we go to great measures to secure ourselves. Did you know that you can secure your spiritual life by anchoring down with God's word, putting your faith and trust in what God has said. Paul would write in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, that we walk by faith and not by sight. The tendency, however, is to walk by sight and not by faith. Paul said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I'm willing to take what I hear, implement it into my life, and understand that if I do it, then God will bless me. In Revelation chapter 22 at verse 14, John said, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. If we're going to ultimately spend eternity in heaven, then we must be willing to do his will. The flip side, though, is that there is the danger of dismissing the word. Listen again to what James said. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. A couple of thoughts here. You ever thought about the risk that people take every day when they disregard and dismiss what God has said in his word? There are folks that like to live on the edge, and there are some people that do 
some crazy things in this world. And sometimes I wonder, why in the world would you do that? When people choose to ignore the will of God, they're putting their soul at risk. Jeopardy, as we say. They're jeopardizing that eternal soul. Jesus asked the question, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Some of you have probably had the opportunity to watch the Blue Angels perform. Not long ago, we had the opportunity to see them practice in Pensacola. And there was a former military man that stood at the front of the crowd and talked about some of the things that would be taking place during the practice session. And he was talking about those pilots and how close they got to one another or they would get to one another during the course of their practice. He said they are 18 inches apart. Can you imagine flying 1,000 miles an hour and you're 18 inches apart? Now you want to talk about living on the edge, that's living on the edge. And you are literally putting your life into the hands of the other pilots around you. You might be having a bad day, but if your neighbor's having a bad day, guess what? You're in trouble. So it's a risky operation. By the same token, when people choose to live without God, they are putting their soul at risk. And I guess the question is, why would you do that? Not only is it risky, it's reckless. Some folks, there's some folks in this city, I'm convinced they have no idea how to drive. You want to talk about defensive driving. Just go to Memphis. They're reckless. And there are people that are reckless when it comes to their spiritual lives. Jesus asked the question on one occasion, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? That's a profound question. Some folks are in the habit of claiming a relationship with the Lord. The problem is they're not willing to do what he says. So in essence, they are pretending to be a child of his. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study. And that is, there is a critique of all who hear the word. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the writer in that passage talks about the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. In the latter part of that verse, he said it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What the writer is saying is that God's word is a critic when it comes to how we live. When you open up this book, it will provide you a commentary on your life. It will critique how you're living. Sometimes we don't like to hear criticism. Sometimes we don't like to be critiqued. But there are positives to being critiqued because you can correct the wrongs and improve upon the rights in life. 
Look, if you would, as James talks about the two types of hearers. And really, it is a critique of all who hear the Word of God. I want to begin, first of all, by talking about the careless hearer. In verse 23, James said, If anyone is a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Let me just ask this question. How many of you looked into a mirror before you came to services tonight? Did anybody look in a mirror? Are you kidding me? Nobody looked in the mirror? All right. Why do we look in the mirror? Well, we look in the mirror because we want to make sure that we are presentable, don't we? There are some things about a mirror that are fascinating. I asked Lynn if we had a mirror in the building, and lo and behold, we did. And there are some things about a mirror that we ought to consider because what James is saying is the Word of God is like a mirror. Now, one of the things that comes to my mind about a mirror is that when you look in that mirror, it does not lie. If you're ugly, <laughs> you're still ugly. <clears throat> If you look good, you look good. It doesn't lie, does it? Now, sometimes we may, we may think we look good, but we really don't, and vice versa. Heard a story about somebody on one occasion that was told by another person that they were fat. And the person responded by saying, look, I may be fat, but you're ugly. <laughs> and I can diet. Well, now you just think for a minute. When you look in this mirror, it tells you everything you need to know. Young, old. Tells you whether you look good or look bad. It helps you to make yourself presentable. Now, think for a minute about the careless hearer. Here's somebody that's looking into the Word of God. And as that individual looks into the Word of God, and they read what the Lord is saying, they're negligent. Now, there are some folks that step in front of the mirror and they look in the mirror and they realize, you know what, I look bad. But rather than doing anything about it, they just walk away. They don't try to do anything to make themselves look better. Some folks are an absolute, I don't mean this bad, but sometimes folks look like a mess. Well, if you look in the mirror and if you, if you look hard enough, It'll show you where those flaws are. Maybe you can make some improvements. 
And then, not only are some folks negligent, but there are some people that over a period of time, they just settle in and say, well, that's how I look, and that's how I'm going to look, and they don't worry about it. They become calloused, don't they? They don't worry about it anymore. You ever seen somebody that looked like they slept in their shirt? You ever seen somebody and you wonder, did he or she even run a comb through their hair? Did they even stop to just take note of how they look? Well, think about God's Word. Opening this book up and hearing God say, this is what you need to do. For example, drop down and look at, look at verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Sometimes we hear what God says about the tongue. But rather than doing something about it and trying to bridle the tongue, what do we do? We just ignore it. We ignore that passage. We are negligent. And over a period of time, we become calloused. We just say whatever comes to mind. We have no bridle when it comes to the tongue. Paul in 1 Timothy chapter 4 talked about the danger of developing a calloused, a seared conscience. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 3 in verses 12 and 13 would say, Take heed, brethren, lest haply there be in any one of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, as long as it's called today, lest you become hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The writer there is saying, You can become so calloused after having been negligent over a period of time, that this word no longer moves you. It happens. And James is saying, when you look into the word of God and you see that there are flaws, then you need to make some corrections. James is talking about somebody that looks in a mirror and they're disheveled, and what do they do? They walk away. They don't make any type of correction. By the same token, what if I open this book and I see there are some strengths in my life, there are some weaknesses, there are some things I need to shore up. Don't you think it stands to reason that if I want to be in a right relationship with God that I'm going to give attention to those weaknesses, those flaws? So sometimes people are careless when it comes to how they hear the Word of God. James talks about the careless hearer and the careful hearer. That is, somebody who looks into the Word of God, they delve deeply into this book, and they do so with the intent of allowing it to be a critic. Now, let me just pause here and make this observation. Sometimes, when people look into the mirror of God's Word, and the word does not harmonize with how they're living, the typical reaction is what? They get mad, get angry. 
Well, let me ask you this. When you look in the mirror, when somebody, if somebody looks in the mirror and they look bad, why are you getting mad? Do something about it. If somebody looks in the mirror and they look bad, and they can make some corrections and look better, whose fault is that? They get mad, storm off, doesn't change your appearance. Sometimes if we're not careful, we look deeply into the Word of God, we hear what God says, and then we get mad. And we want to crucify the messenger. I'm just the messenger. The message did not originate with me. Haggai said in Haggai chapter 1 verse 13 that he was the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message. When Jonah was instructed to go to Nineveh, you remember initially he recoiled at that idea. He ran from God. And then after spending some time in the belly of a, of a fish, his perspective changed, didn't it? And so in chapter 3, when God came to him the second time, God said, I want you to preach the preaching that I bid you. That is, I want you to tell them what I have said. So when we look into this word, we need to understand the source is God. If we get upset, then what good's that going to do? What we ought to do is allow the Word of God to be a critic when it comes to how we're living. And if there are some flaws, then make some changes. So the careless hearer verse, versus the careful hearer. Note if you would in verse 25. In verse 25, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Now I want to just pause here and back up for a moment. I want you to see something here in verse 24. Note if you would the intensity of the careful here who opens the word of God. He looks into this mirror. And when he looks into this perfect law of liberty, the word of God, he's not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. How many times do people come to services? There are folks that come every week and they hear what God has to say in his word. And there are times when folks walk out of here and I'm telling you, their chain has been rattled. You know it and I know it. They have been rattled because what they heard convicted them. But here's what happens. They walk away, they go eat lunch, and they think about it for a little bit. And then they get home and they continue to think about the message for a little bit. And then they settle in and begin to do other things. And before you know it, you know what happens? They've forgotten all about what they heard. It happens all the time. That's what James is talking about. Somebody who hears the word of God and then they forget. Push it to the back. Push it to the back. And before you know it, you purged it. So the careless hearer is somebody who forgets. 
the careful hearer, however, I think about somebody who is diligent and they're listening, they're attentive and the desire is to do exactly what God says. A couple of things here. They are attentive. There's a great story back in 1 Samuel chapter 3 of Samuel as a young fellow. You remember the Lord appeared to him and Samuel said, Speak, Lord, your servant hears. When it comes to what the Lord Jesus Christ has to say, we ought to be all ears. There are people in the financial world, when they speak, there are lots of folks, they want to hear what they have to say because they have wise financial information to convey. There are some folks in the political realm They're very astute. They understand the history of our nation. They understand politics inside and out. And there are people that will pause and say, you know what? I want to hear what they have to say. When Jesus Christ, the Son of God, speaks through his word, we ought to stop and say, whatever it is the Lord Jesus has to say, I want to hear it. He ought to command our absolute attention. So we ought to be attentive and then we ought to be amenable to what he says. And by that I mean compliant. It ought to resonate to the point that we say, you know what, the Lord has a point there. I may not necessarily understand everything behind that command, but God has said, this is what I want you to do, and so I'm willing to do it. Carefully, painstakingly, Analyzing the Word of God, looking into that mirror. And when I look into that mirror, I'm saying, I want my life to line up with the Lord. There are a couple of examples. The psalmist in Psalm 1. You remember in Psalm 1, verse 2, the psalmist talked about how he meditated on the law of the Lord day and night. In Psalm 119.97, the psalmist said, Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. Here again is somebody who's sitting, looking deeply into this word and trying to soak up every ounce of thought that's being conveyed. The desire is to grow closer to God and to come to a better understanding of of his word and to make sure that that word is lived out in life on a daily basis. Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Those who carefully listen to the word of God, they're striving to make sure that this word is woven into the life, that it's a part of life. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. What was the promise? They shall be filled. So, critiquing those who hear the word. And then thirdly and finally, the consequences to all who hear the word. Whether you realize it or not, every time you hear the word of God, there are consequences. Think about it in this way. Back up and note if you would. Verse 25 again. 
He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. What James is saying is that those who do the word of God will be blessed. I want to ask you a fair question. Do you want your life to be a blessing? Do you want to enjoy blessings in this life? Do you want to enjoy prosperity and success? I'm not necessarily talking about financial prosperity. I'm talking about spiritual prosperity. Do you want your life to be what it ought to be, what it can be? Then here's the advice. You take this book and you live it out in your life every day. You listen again to what James said. Those who look into the perfect law of liberty and continue in it and are not forgetful hearers but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what it does. Let me give you an example. You remember Noah? When God made a decree that he was going to destroy the world by means of a flood, the Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God instructed Noah in verse 14 of chapter 6 to build an ark of gopher wood. He set forth the dimensions of that ark. Would Noah have been blessed if he had just stepped back and said, you know what, I'm not interested in building an ark. I'm not interested in trying to find the gopher wood, and I'm not interested in trying to build it according to the pattern that's been set forth. Listen to what Moses said by way of commentary in verse 22 of chapter 6. He said, Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. What Moses was saying about Noah was, God spoke and Noah did it. Was he blessed? Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Noah being one of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving, saving of his household, and became, became an heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Would Noah have been saved had he not built that ark? Would his family members have been saved? Absolutely not. His life was blessed because he did the word, because he was a doer of the word. Now here's the flip side of that. Those who do not do the word. In other words, those who are not doers of the word, rather than having a blessed life, will have a life that is a mess. And I mean that with a capital M. If you want proof of what I'm saying, just look around in the world. Look around in Olive Branch. There are folks whose lives are coming apart at the seams. Their marriage is on, on the rocks. Their kids are out of control. Their lives are chaotic. They're not happy. They're dissatisfied. They're discontent. They're looking for something to make them happy and satisfy them, and they can't find it. You know why? Because they don't have God in their lives. Because they haven't taken this book that is the mirror to the soul, taken it, read it, digested it, meditated on it, and then put it into practice. There are folks all across this land, their lives are an absolute mess. I can tell you why. Because they choose to ignore this book. If you ignore this book, your life will be a mess. Now, I'm not saying if you do the word of God, if you, if you do the will of God and you live out in your life God's word day in and day out, I'm not saying that you're going to be problem free. But I am telling you, I am telling you that your life will be blessed in many, many ways. Because you have the presence of God in your life. 
because you have the peace of God in your life, because you have the opportunity to pray to God in life. Those are spiritual blessings that we ought not take for granted. So I close by asking the question this evening. How's your hearing? When you hear what God has to say in his word, are you willing to do it? Are you willing to be a doer of the word or just a hearer only? I go back and I go back again to this illustration that has to do with those of us that are husbands. There are lots of times as a husband, I guess confession is good for the soul. There are times when the wife is speaking and I hear it, but I don't hear it, if you know what I mean. There are lots of folks, they hear, but they don't hear. They hear what God says, but they don't hear it. They don't do it. So as a result, they're in trouble. The Lord wants to bless us, but he's only going to bless those who do his will. So tonight, if you're not a Christian, and you've heard the story of the cross over and over, and you know the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know that. And you know God is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. But you haven't done anything. Then you've got a great opportunity tonight to walk out these doors as a doer of the word and not a hearer. Why not do what they did on Pentecost Day? Repent of your sins, be baptized into Christ, let God add you to the church. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, verse 47. If you're unfaithful to his cause, why not come home? The Bible tells us God will abundantly pardon, 1 John 1, 9. The Lord wants you home. One day, we're going to stand before God. The only thing that's going to matter is this. Did we do his will? I hope you've done it. If not, I hope you'll do it tonight as we stand and sing.